Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Scoopy Red is brought to you by our sponsor, Sleep Ovation. Want to save $50 on a bed? Use the promo code SCOOP. That's S-C-O-O-P. When you visit sleepovation.com. Sleepovation is the world's only mattress with individual support. They have 700 individual pressure relief points that move while you sleep. It's the number one mattress for back pain as well. Sleepovation also has a 100-night risk-free trial, 10-year limited warranty, and individual cushion cradles that provide the perfect balance between comfort and spine support for pain relief. Visit sleepovation.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SCOOP. That's S-C-O-O-P. Scoopy Radio in your earphones on the long car ride in the NBA offseason, in the gym, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Instagram, Scoop underscore B. Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. And make sure you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, App Stitcher app, or simply visit ScoopBRadio.com and on the line is a guy that I literally just met today via Twitter, the power of Twitter, none other than Houston Rockets player development coach Irv Rowland. What's going on, my G? What's happening, my man? You doing all right? Man, I'm great. Like I told you before, I'm trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. Absolutely. <laughs> so, brother, first and foremost, um, we met, uh, I was tweeting about um, coaching and training and had you mixed up. You are. Uh, the, the one and only gentleman who works with reigning MVP uh, of the NBA, James Harden. Brother, first of all, congratulations on an MVP season. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it, man. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I want to say this first and foremost, man. I, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I'm uh, 15 years in, in the business and the NBA and, and all that stuff. I, uh, you know, the game's kind of gotten out of control and, and all that stuff. And I, you know, I'm blessed to be in a situation I'm in to work with James Harden and, you know, be a part of his journey. So, you know, I'm just thankful, you know, that he allows me to, you know, do what I do. 
How did you meet James Harden? So I met James when he was 19. Um, I was on the staff with the New Orleans Hornets at the time, and he was a counselor, uh, part of the college counseling group for the LeBron James Skills Academy back in 2008, going into his sophomore year. So it was him, Stephen Curry, Patrick Beverly, Wes Matthews, guys like that that were still in college. Um, he <clears throat> he then obviously got drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm from Oklahoma City, born and raised. Um, so, you know, me, him, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, we would all be around each other uh, when I was back home. And then when I left New Orleans, I went to Miami, started a business training there. He would be there, all, you know, every offseason at some point. We would work out. Then I went to uh, Phoenix, the Suns. He went to Arizona State. We work out in the summer. And then from there, start training them full time. So, like, literally right place, right time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my life has pretty much been that. You know, God's kind of ordered my steps and created this path for me. You know, every summer I'm blessed to, you know, work these camps with elite kids and build these relationships with guys early on in their careers, just left North Carolina the other day, working the Chris Paul Elite Camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, meeting guys when they 10th, 11th grade, and the next thing you know, they're in the NBA a couple years later. So it's, it's really dope. I want to take a step back. Um, you talk about relationships, LeBron James Skills Academy, how you met yeah. James, and then, you know, with the signs uh, in Phoenix, and, you know, obviously him playing out in Arizona that or you know just the, the connection there I am intrigued uh, most mostly with just skills training um, and everybody is a skills trainer uh, and it's some fly by night a lot legit I guess my question is in the NBA what would warrant a player not utilizing what the team gives them in order to pursue training independently is it is it just summer availability is it personal preference what has been your yeah you know so the thing with me right so i work with james full time so i'm on the coaching staff uh i'm on the coaching staff for the rockets but i train james full time in the summer so a lot of times it's you know he's from la so it's you know chris paul pj tucker uh eric gordon like a lot of our half our team lives in la so Mm -hmm it's feasible for me, uh, you know, the, our coaching staff to let me, allow me to do that. Now, even Carmelo, uh, he worked out with us uh, last week a few times. He lives in L.A. as well. But I think the, the main thing, and there's obviously, this is the highest level of basketball, uh, there's obviously a lot of great coaches for every team. I think it's healthy to have a a, a different voice in the summertime. Hmm. Um, because you're with those coaches eight months out of the year. So it's cool to have a different voice. Um, so you have guys like Drew Hanlon, um, you know, guys like that, that people in the NBA obviously respect and kind of talk to and consult with anyway, uh, asking ideas and sharing and floating and floating ideas anyway. So, you know, I think it's cool for like, you look at Drew's setup, right? Drew has, a lot of other NBA players from other teams around those guys can compete and kind of learn from each other and, you know, still kind of get that vibe and competitive juices flowing and stuff like that in the gym. 
So it's it's cool. So um, you know, it's just a change of scenery because we're with each other more than we're with our families. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. They are your family in, in a lot of senses. That's why you see guys arguing and um, you know fighting and stuff like that because you kind of get annoyed with being around everybody all the time. You know, it sucks. Surely. Earl Rowan, Houston Rockets player development coach on the line with Scoopy Radio. Make sure you use the promo code Scoop. That's S C O O P. You save fifty dollars on your first purchase. Uh, on the bed, uh, on the line, looking Houston Rockets. And one thing that I think is interesting um, about the Houston Rockets is that um, you guys pretty much ran the Western Conference. Uh, defensively, top five, if I'm not mistaken. Offensively, you did your thing as well. Um, my question to you is, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Does he bring instant credibility to you guys? Uh, I mean, we had the best record in the NBA. We, you know, arguably, you know, injury away from the NBA Finals. So, you know, I think we already had the credibility. I think what Carmelo brings us is a guy – who can go get us a bucket. Um, you look at the NBA now where NBA teams are, you know, the trend right now is to do a lot of switching defensively. And so you need guys that when plays break down can go get a bucket. That takes a lot of uh, pressure and stress off of CP and James to have to, you know, do everything and create all of our offense. So, you know, Melo's one of the most special scorers this league has seen. And I think with our offense, the way we play, floor space and stuff like that, he'll be able to operate even easier than he has probably on any other team he's been on. What was the chemistry like with he and those other guys? With James and Chris? Yes. Um, you know, I think it's great. I mean, these are guys that have played together on all-star teams, have played together um, Team USA and stuff like that, so they know each other, they're comfortable, they respect each other. Um, and like I said, once you get the ball rolling, like you tip that thing up and we we finally compete against other people, he'll mm-hmm. see how much easier this is. You know, people talk about um, him and Coach D'Antoni's uh, time in, in New York. And, I mean, not, nobody's realistic. You know, like, like they look at – what happened there. Look at the personnel they had. You know, they didn't have a team, an, an elite team. Like, they had a couple pieces that were solid, but for the most part, they didn't have a team that was ready to go out there, that was able to go out there and really compete and, 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 and you know, make noise seriously. So now this team being, you know, kind of ready-made to make a, a huge push, I think you'll see his true value and he does that opportunity absolutely have a lot left in the tank. If Chris Paul didn't sit out game seven, would you guys have won the finals or rather won the Western Conference finals? Um, Chris Paul doesn't play. Uh, he missed 27 straight threes. Um, I've never seen you play basketball. Um, I, I, would, I, would, I would bet that if I put you on a basketball court, you're going to make at least one of those 27. Like, that just doesn't happen, especially for a team like ours. All that said, we only lose by nine. You put Chris Paul on the floor, 
I'd have to venture off to say that we win that basketball game. Scoop B Radio. Scoop B Radio on the line with my new friend, Eric Roller. We're talking everything basketball. And you mentioned that you actually were out in Oklahoma where your son was born and raised um, and actually had a chance to see that young OKC Thunder team with uh, Russell, uh, KD, as well as James Harden. Um, I want to know a little bit more about you um, as a person because you could talk about all the players that you've trained, and that's great. But yeah. 15 years, you've worked for a lot of teams. Um, what keeps you going? What's got you started? Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's crazy. You know, I talk about I just got done talking to some kids here. We're in Arizona right now, but I just got done talking to some kids here in Arizona. And I think for me, the main thing, for me, those guys are smarter than me, more talented than me, whatever. But I think, you know, my character and stuff like that has kept me in this league as long as it has. Um, you see a lot of guys come into this league or get in positions around players and stuff like that, and they're in it for the wrong reasons. Like it's more of a show and it's more of a you – know, you know, I started off the talk talking about how, how much the NBA has changed – it's all about taking credit now. So, like, guys mm. post pictures on Instagram or um, say things on social media or whatever in interviews, and they make it seem like they created players. Um, when James Harden won MVP, I was the first person to say, you know, in no way, shape, form, or fashion that uh, I create this monster. Like, he, he was special, you know, when I met him at 19. Um all of us are blessed to be in the situations we're in around these players um, to motivate them, push them, be there for guidance and, and, and uplift them and stuff like that. Cause it's a tough grind and the things that they have to go through in their lives. But, you know, it, it's all about taking credit now. And I've tried to make sure that I've uh, been one of the guys that didn't do that, you know, and, and try to do things the right way. And you can kind of weed those guys out. Um, and kind of tell who's in it for the right reasons and, you know, who's not trying to make the, uh, the paint a picture to make it seem like it's all about them or what they're doing and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of what's kept me in this business and, and kept players and teams or whatever to gravitate towards me and giving me opportunities. One thing that I found interesting um, about you and your story, uh, and just taking a cursory look through the internet, an article uh, was written in the Houston Rock and Houston Chronicle by Hunter Atkins uh, back in 2016. Um, and James Harden asked you, uh, "Do you think I can be a top five player at my position?" And you said, yeah. "Yes." Yeah. Um, what did you see in him? Yeah. So. It, it's crazy. Like, when I first started in the NBA, uh, you know, I'm new. Like, I didn't grow up in a city where we had NBA basketball. Like, everything I, I knew from the league was just stuff on TV, right? And, of course, you know, I played uh, small college basketball and things like that. But I got to the league, and I started to see how things were. And, you know, outside looking in, it's never what it appears to be, right? So I uh, remember, I'll never forget, I was in Boston at the time, and Chris Wallace, who's the general manager now for the Memphis Grizzlies, I would be around him and a couple other front office staff members, and we were going through the draft process. 
And uh, I'll never forget, they asked a, a kid that was going through the draft process, do you love basketball? And uh, to me at the time, that was the dumbest question I've ever heard <laughs> somebody ask a potential pro athlete. But over the next how important that question was because you see so many players in this league that really this is just a way to make legal money at a high level. You know what I mean? Like they don't truly love basketball and where Oklahoma city was really blessed was they drafted three guys back to back to back that really truly loved the game of basketball. Like if they didn't play professionally, they'd be at a park or a YMCA busting people's behinds because they just love to play the game. And so with James, you know, people can say, you know, what they want. Like he, he's a rock star, you know what I mean? But the thing I say about James, no matter what, he's going to get his work in. And he's a, I mean, we worked out, we are in the gym multiple hours a day. Like that's his daily routine. You see him playing in the, you know, the Drew League or, or other celebrity games. Like, what he just loves to hoop. And, you know, somebody who has those type of physical, God-given abilities, if they apply themselves that much to their craft, there's no way they're not going to be successful. And so at the time, he was playing limited, not limited minutes, but he was, you know, six-man with Oklahoma City. But you could see it. Even then, he was their best pick-and-roll player. He was mm-hmm. their best passer. And you could tell that if this kid was able to run his own team and have high, like high-level personnel players around him, that he was going to be, he was going to be something else. I didn't know. I never, I never knew that he would be, you know, potential MVP. But I thought at that time when he was still in Oklahoma City, that's when that conversation took place. I knew at that time that he could possibly be a top five player in his position. And it's kind of funny to think about it now you know, seeing where he is today, but I, I, that's what I saw in him. When I look at James Harden, I look at him as everything that Tracy McGrady was supposed to be. You have a, you have a, guy, that, you have a guy that can fill a stat sheet, points, rebounds, assists, play defense. Um, I mean, he was the first player with 300 points and 120 assists uh, through 10 games. Um, when you look at James, do you see any similarities between him and Tracy that's not been hooked? Um, the, the, similarity, the similarities I see between James and, and uh, Tracy are like just the, the ability to score the basketball at ease. Like they can literally offensively do whatever they want at any given moment on the basketball court. Like, I, I, I really feel like if you don't double-team James, uh, he can he can score or get to the free-throw line every possession. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when, you know, when Tracy was at his best, that's who he was. And it's pretty scary, you know what I mean, because you have no options. Uh, you just really hoping they miss half the time. Um, you know, James, I think – his ability to play, make, and make people better around him is a little better than, you know, is better than Tracy's. Like, James Harden literally, like, the year, the first year he should have won MVP, that was three years ago, right? And I don't think people talk about this enough. The team the team that he had, because Dwight was hurt most of that year, 
Mm-hmm. Out of that team, more than half the team isn't in the NBA anymore. Hmm. So you talk about MVP. They need to first off. They need to change the name of that award. That like they should have done that years ago, because you talk about valuable. Like not not another All Star on the team, but not even that. Half that team isn't in the NBA anymore. Like that's three seasons ago. I'm not talking about a Michael Jordan team from '96. I'm talking about 2015. You got that many guys that aren't in the league anymore. And they went to the, the Western Conference Finals. You know what I mean? Like, you're telling me he didn't win MVP off that with better numbers. So, you know, I, I think the ability to make people better is something that 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 kind of goes unnoticed with him and, and people don't really appreciate it enough. I take it back to March 1st, uh, 2018. James Harden breaks Wesley Johnson's ankles with the crossover of the year. Literally, yep. Wesley Johnson falls. He looks like the, the spray paint uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, cut out in, in, in the intro. <laughs> right. Where were you sitting exactly on the Rockets bench when it went down? I was sitting right behind Mike D'Antoni, and I was – I think Tia Dosage was on the bench. I mean, was on the – was in the corner guarding somebody. And I was just I, – I was kind of upset with the with the Clippers players because I'm like, if you make if, – if one of your teammates falls, you got to sprint over there and foul the person. That way he can't complete the play. You know what I mean? And he's not on Instagram all freaking day. You know what I mean? Like, I was disappointed in those guys. But, you know, it's just one of those – it's one of those things. Like, James, offensively, one on one. I mean, I think he led the league in isolation points and averaged more isolation points than any team. I think, and it's just a tough cover, man. It's a tough cover. I, I feel bad for a lot of guys that get stuck out on that island. Bonus question: What did Coach D'Antoni say when West got shook? He just started laughing. He knew what it was. Um, you know, accidents happen with that dude, man. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Talking to my main man. Um, one thing uh, that I that I find interesting just about coaching, skills training, in general is you know all kids want to play AAU. All kids want a trainer. What should what should parents and kids uh, look for in, in trainers to make sure they're getting the most the, the best viable service uh, to improve on their game? I think when it comes to that. Um, I think when it comes to that, first off, you know, not to uh, not to get off track. People people like to bash um, people like to bash AAU, and I'm a huge fan of the AAU game because you look at it. If you play high school, right, colleges don't have time to watch every high school game, but they can get out and watch AAU. That's where kids get their looks. Um, is from AAU. The problem isn't AAU. The problem is parents. I saw, I'm sure everybody listening saw the clip of the, the, the team that jumped the referee, right? Mm-hmm. We've all been in that, that moment where, you know, we, we upset at refs or whatever. But if I ever raise my fist to an adult like that, in that type of setting, my dad would have came out the stands and tried to kill me. You know what I mean? And 
I think too many times that I've seen and, you know, my experiences, we have parents that are trying to live through their kids because they didn't make it. And, you know, I see a lot of kids going to trainers and doing all this stuff. Kids don't even like basketball, but it's their parents more so trying to push them, you know, into being something. And, you know, I think when it comes to getting trainers or being on teams, people have to be realistic, have realistic expectations. You have, uh, you know, one of the biggest things, trends right now is if I'm not happy over here at this school or this AAU team, I'm going to just go across town and play on this team. Oh, you made me mad or said something I didn't like. I'm going to go to this team. And kids aren't being taught to, okay, it's hard. I'm going to just suck it up and be better. No, I'm going to quit and I'm going to go somewhere where it's easier or they, you know, they make an easier path for me or whatever. That's what the trend is right now. And it's, it's kind of sickening. Um, but I think having realistic expectations are, are the most important thing. You founded uh, your Blueprint Basketball uh, and you partnered with the Legacy Fit Gym in Miami, as you talked about before. But even before that, uh, one thing I find just fascinating about your story um, is that you had an unpaid internship with the Boston Celtics in 2004. Okay. So well, I was a freshman in high school, or excuse me, a freshman in college back then. Yeah. You, I'm yep. just looking at the time frame back then. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, under Doc Rivers. Yeah. Um, was it? No, no, no. It wasn't Doc Rivers. Was it 2004? 2004 was Doc's first season. Okay. God, I was thinking Orlando, but didn't Boston. You're right. Um, the thing that I found interesting about your story is you literally worked 40 to 50 hours a week for the team. Yeah doing an unpaid internship, and in between that, you worked the graveyard shift delivering room service at the Westin Hotel. Yeah. And you would make it home for three days, and you'd finish up at the Westin just before 6 a.m., caught an hour of sleep sitting in an office chair next, yep. or excuse me, inside the Celtics practice facility, and you compiled yep. scouting videos for a day and then did it all over again. Bro, was it no doubles or coffee? America runs on Duncan in Boston. What was your secret? Man, I think <clears throat> I was so I was so locked in, right? Uh, I was so locked in to I, you know I'm a kid from Oklahoma City. We don't have an NBA team, right? Mm -hmm. At the time, like Thunder came in '07, I think '08, '07. Mm -hmm. So I was so locked into this is going to be more than an internship for me. Like I'm going to make this a career. I'm not going back to Oklahoma and, you know, try to work, find some nine to five that is going to make me want to, uh, <clears throat> you know, be depressed or whatever. So I was so locked into my goal that, yeah, I was tired, but I was just, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. And, um, I didn't even think about it. Like looking back at it now, like at my age now, like I don't know if I could, uh, if I could do it all over again. But at the time, yeah. being 22 years old and all that stuff, like that's just what I had to do, and I had to gut it out. And you know, God blessed me to be able to, you know, talk to you now, 15 years later, and I'm good. But at the time, man, it was hard. Uh, only time I really got to go home was when the team was on the road. 
Um, other than that, I was back and forth between the hotel and the practice facility. And one of the worst feelings was when people came to work too early because they cut my little nap at 6 a.m. short. Um, but that's what I had to do, man. Now they pay interns, of course. Isn't that amazing? Do you ever look at that? Man, right, with, right when I get up out of that thing. <laughs> that's how it always happens. But you know what? I think that built character. Oh, a thousand percent because, I mean, otherwise, I mean, you know, maybe I take it for granted or I get comfortable. Like, you don't, I don't know. I don't know, but, you know, it worked out, man, so I can't complain. I wouldn't change anything. The Bible says all things work together for the good for those who love and serve the Lord. You talk about your, man. your relationship with Christ, and, you know, you, you, you mentioned just um, just right place, right time. Um, you worked for the New Orleans Hornets the next season. Uh, they temporarily went to your hometown, Oklahoma City, yeah, uh, because of the damage from Hurricane Katrina, uh, and mm-hmm. you – became cool with Chris Paul, someone that is now working, a co-worker with the Houston Rockets. Yep. Um, you got cool with him by attending church with him on Sundays, and then got cool with Mello, another uh, co-worker, LeBron James, someone that's in your conference, and Dwayne Wade, who's figuring out his next move. I mean, right. man, could it have been laid on a better platter than that? Nah, and that's what I say, man. Like, you got to take the good with the bad. So me serving cheesecake and salads, from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., uh, unpaid intern, all that stuff in Boston to the relationships I have now and the life that I get to live now. And, um, you know, I, I can't I can't sit here and complain to you, man. Like, I've really been blessed in this thing. What was that transition like for the Hornets in Oklahoma City back then? Was it, was it, was it difficult? Uh, I think it was difficult more so knowing – what people were going through back in, in New Orleans. So many people uh, misplaced and, and all that stuff, um, lost their homes and lives and family members and all that stuff. That was, I think, the biggest thing mentally uh, that we had to deal with. We had a fairly new team that year. Uh, a lot of guys were new to the organization, so they didn't really call New Orleans home like that anyway. Um, like we had PJ Brown and David West and I think J.R. Smith that year that had been on the team, maybe one or two other guys, Birdman Anderson. Um, but from everybody else it was pretty new. So we played a couple exhibition games there. I think that first year we played in Baton Rouge against the Suns and then the next year we played a couple more games, uh, regular season games even in New Orleans and then next thing you know it was good to go, we moved back. But that was probably the biggest hurdle. Coaching, uh, do you honestly, uh, you see the, the uh, Golden State Warriors, they've, a few people have gotten uh, different opportunities and jobs, not specific to the Rockets, but did you ever envision, your, envision yourself as an assistant coach? And do you see yourself, uh, I guess, doing more skills training, or do you see yourself being a head coach in the league with you know, honestly, man, I go through it all the time, like thinking about, you know, my path and, and what I want to do. Honestly, when it's all said and done and I'm I'm ready to hang up the player development stuff, I would I really want to work in the front office. I want to be a general manager um, years from now when I get done with this because, you know, I look around the league and I look at how things are done and how people, 
how people deal with situations and um, treat people and, and all that stuff. And I just see that there's ways to do things different that I, that I want to kind of incorporate and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I would love to, uh, I would love to one day, you know, be able to put together my staff and, and things of that nature. So that, that's the, that's the long-term goal. Who are some front office people that you actually, uh, admire that throughout the course of your life that you've watched? Yeah. Um, you know, I look at the, I look at the Spurs, right. And, um, you know, I love the way they treat their guys. I love the way they uh, look out for each other. You, you've seen guys leave the Spurs, go to other situations, and maybe those situations didn't work out, and they bring them back. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, I really admire that. I love um, <clears throat> Golden State the way they kind of uplift each other and you know look out for each other, and um, because this 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 game this game takes a lot out of you. You know, and I just think that I don't think there's enough people in our league that look out for each other. I think that everybody, there's a lot of people about themselves. Um, They're insecure about their situation, so they don't want to make other people look better. And that's one thing I've, you know, prided myself on. Uh, Chris Paul's brother, CJ, has entrusted me uh, last couple years with, you know, putting together the coaching staff for the CP3 Elite Camp. And mm-hmm. just that that responsibility is something I take serious because of my relationship with Chris. And, you know, I love kids and stuff like that. So this group of kids that are coming to his camp, I want to make sure they're getting the best learning um, that, they're, that they can knowledge and stuff like that that they can possibly get. So, I pick coaches that are like me, guys that come from the video room or the G League or guys that aren't getting the opportunity yet, you know, in their own situation to coach and stuff like that. So I try to bring up guys that need that exposure, um, working with high-level kids in front of NBA scouts and stuff like that. And I just don't think in our business there's enough people that, view it as important to look out for others, you know what I mean? Which is sad, but, you know, our, our organization is pretty solid with it, but there's just not, there's not enough of that in our league. You know, it's funny you mentioned that about the, the, the people that come from that video world, because when you look at your time frame and your track of 2004, uh, Coach with now head coach of the Miami Heat, was a guy who came from the video world. Absolutely. Mike Brown, there's a lot of guys. Where do you think, uh, you know, you look at social media, you look at MySpace, there are a lot of celebrities who, you know, got got put, put on uh, through MySpace, their music. And then now you're looking at the next wave of, you know, Instagram and you're seeing these these, these people, these personalities, you know, going to the next wave. Uh, I guess my, my question to that is, um, do you, where do you see uh, coaches um, in the next three years? Uh, or three to five years, something um, that will be a phenomenon that will get more coaches hired. Like after video is what? Um, I think I think the G League coaches are going to start getting more love. Mm-hmm. Um, so before, like, you know, when I was coming up, 
being a uh, being a video guy was the only way to get into the NBA if you weren't a famous uh, a former player. So now there's a lot of guys coming in through the player development rankings, right? Mm-hmm. But with player development, I, there's a lot of guys player development wise that don't really want to be head coaches, um, and then sometimes it's hard to make that that transition anyway. So I think going the G League route and proving yourself in the G League on a on a coaching staff, being a first, second assistant or head coach or whatever, there's going to be more guys getting. I, I feel like getting opportunities uh, from that from that standpoint. And then lastly, bonus question: You mentioned James Harden uh, three years ago. He should have been the MVP. Uh, yeah. Most of those guys weren't on that team anymore. You look at the NBA season this year, LeBron James played out of his mind. Objectively speaking, what would you say was the edge that James had over LeBron this season? That, that James had over him? Yes, over LeBron. Um, you know, it, it's tough because I tell people all the time, man, you look at <laughs> you look at LeBron, right? LeBron, um, in the Eastern Conference, you know, he made the comment towards the end, where he was like, look, we could be the second seed, third seed, fourth seed, um, you know, wherever we end up, you know, he kind of said, like, we're going to be a tough a tough matchup, right? He knows, and it, he knew in his mind in the Eastern Conference, once he got there, it was a wrap. You know, so it's like, look, the dude's been playing in Olympics uh, most summers, or playing, you know, whatever a lot of summers playing to the finals pretty much every year. Like he's playing a lot of basketball. So to play that hard and exert that much energy from games one through 82, like Uh that's tough. That's tough every year, especially when you're getting older, you know what I'm saying? And that's why boom, when them, you know, game one or the first round came up, that light switch turned and it's game on. And then you saw, a different LeBron James because it's hard year in and year out to just go balls to the wall one through 82. You know what I mean? So I think his level of hunger versus, you know, ours where we're trying to get our first title. You know what I mean? I I think it's, I think it's a little different. Sir, it's an honor to have you on. I am the the way that we, we, we connected. I would have never have met you. And I'm glad I did because I think, your body of work has been quiet but consistent. And, and the fact that you took time to talk to me with your busy schedule, I'm grateful, man. You, you, you have a good thing going, and I expect to see the Houston Rockets go deep in the playoffs this year. Man, I pray so. We need another big run. <laughs> All right, good brother. I'm going to talk to you soon. All right, have a good one. Scoop B Radio. Oh Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 